In 35 minutes on BBC One, romantic relationships continue to cause problems for the Ewings in Dallas. That's after the Little and Large show. Good evening, listeners. Uh, this is the Something Wicked podcast. Uh, tonight, myself and Dave thought we'd do a bit of an impromptu one, given the sad news about Eddie Large. Uh, if you don't know, Eddie Large passed away today. He contracted the coronavirus after being in hospital, and given his uh, his well-documented heart troubles, he unfortunately couldn't survive it. So myself and Dave thought we'd, we'd come on and do a bit of a tribute, because I think we always m- meant to do something on Little and Large. Me and Dave have always had a bit of love for Eddie and Sid, to a, maybe a lesser extent, Sid, but uh, we've always sort of enjoyed and reminisced about Little and Large, because I suppose in our day, they were... Well... They were the Morecambe and Wise, or they were our Morecambe and Wise. <laughs> maybe you don't agree, Dave. Well, but... well you, might, <laughs> you might say that, Lee. I mean, I'm not going to bullshit you. I have enjoyed over the years there are a couple of good manchester lads you know within withinshire lads like myself you know they were in they met in a pub in withinshire probably a flat roof pub probably a shithole uh you know <clears throat> withinshire has changed somewhat in recent years but let's be honest for many years withinshire was a shithole yeah and they were really one of the worst <laughs> worst double acts <laughs> No, they weren't. I mean, they were fun, but they were kind of like, it was kind of like kids' TV in a way, wasn't it? It was, it was. I mean, I don't want to pretend that they were comedy geniuses. They weren't, but they do hold a special place in my heart. Eddie more than Sid. I mean, let's not get away from the fact that there was a huge imbalance in that double act. You know, Eddie was very funny. I thought he was very likeable. He just had... I'm being a bit of a yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course. As a kid. <clears throat> part of why we rejoice in them is how woeful it could be sometimes watching them. And it was, and I do remember <laughs> my dad heckling them whilst I was trying to enjoy it. You know, he'd be sitting there. And <laughs> Your dad heckled them. It, oh, well, not heckling him, but, you know, sort of making little comments under his breath when they were on. It was mainly sighing at how poor Sid was and how pathetic he was. As far as like sidekicks go or straight man go of the time in British television, you you had, of course, you had, you, you know, your Tommy Cannon, you had your Ernie, Ernie Wise. Wise. I'd be grudged saying Ronnie Corbett because I don't think Ronnie Corbett was a straight man. I think he was an equal partner, really, with Ronnie mm. Barker. Mm. They were both, they were, they were a made partnership, weren't they? They, they were both famous in their own right, in a way. In, you know, I mean, he was a big review artist, Ronnie Bark, uh, Ronnie Corbett. He was a big sort of figure in London in this in in, in this review. I think it was Daniel Larue's review in London, and I think he was very successful in that. And of course, Ronnie Barker 
was an established actor, certainly a, a radio actor in like the Navy Lark and different things like that. And they were sort of brought together and they were, you know, pretty brilliant. They're both very versatile in what they could do. Mm. And Ernie Wise was, you know, a consummate professional straight man. He had quite a lot of personality, didn't he? Quite a lot of joie de vivre. Something about Ernie Wise. He had something. Even Tommy Cannon. He was like Bud Abbott to Bobby Ball's Lou Costello. They were quite a lot like Abbott and Costello, weren't they? Cannon and Ball. Very similar, I think. But in Little and Large, you had Eddie there, Eddie Large, Eddie McGuinness, who was quite a big personality with his impressions. And then you had, and he's singing, because he was a bit of a singer. Apparently he started as a singer. And then you had supersonic Sid Mead, <laughs> a.k.a. Sid Little. Cyril Mead. Cyril, sorry, yes, yeah, Cyril Mead, not Sid. Cyril Mead, mm. who was, for all intents and purposes, like a, like a clerk in the bank. Or not even that, like uh, someone on the checkout in bloody Tesco. Where there was no personality, and when he read the autocue, he was like literally reading the autocue like a child. Yeah. Now tonight on the show, we have got Donna Stell singing "Whispering Grass" with Windsor Davis, and we have got Donna. She's on as a special guest as well, and then Eddie Large come on and go, "Hey, hey, there, Supersonic." Now then, now then, Supersonic, I've fixed it for you to play your guitar later in a really shit way. It, it, it was, I, even as a kid, even as a kid watching it, I just thought, as a very young kid watching it, I thought, wow, this guy's really, he's got no talent at all, has he? He's got no talent. It's amazing that he's made it on TV. And it's because the fat guy, the fat guy's got him on TV. He must have pushed him right, pushed him up the hill. I even had these images of them, like, in the pub and the fat one bullying him into it somehow. Why would he you choose know, Sid Like, Little, knocking though? him about a bit because... You know, Eddie deserved better than why? Sid Little, really, didn't he? I think that's it. I think if Eddie had somebody else that he could... Yeah, have, what did you know, Sid Little bring a bit to more the about them. double act? Well, he brought nothing, did he? No. I, it's it incredible. was just a foil for Eddie, really. Sid Little. I, I went to school with Sid Little's uh, son, I think uh, you know this. I think I've yeah. told you this a few times before. And uh, Paul Mead, his name was. And uh, he was at our school for a bit. Sadly, he went on, became a drug, drug addict, a Satanist, and killed himself. I didn't know that was, was much Satanist. later than when we were at school. I'm not meaning to laugh at this. But yeah, apparently he had like the pentangle symbol tattooed on his head and all this forehead and what have you. He had a trick or a talent way beyond his dad, because he'd had this nasty scarring on his leg or some burning or something. And he had like this gaping gap at the back of his leg where his tendons, you know, are behind the knee. Yeah. don't know what the hell had happened. Been in a fire or something. And his party trick was to stick his finger inside his leg, which he would do, you know, <laughs> at, at, at his convenience or whatever you asked him to, really, you know. And that was far beyond... Anything that his dad said, he's a strange dad because I don't think he and his mum were together anymore. Don't think he hardly ever saw him. Uh, ever did on TV. What did Sid ever do apart from go, Oh, stop it now, Eddie. You're ruining it for me. Let me go. 
Well, Dave, let me just read this. Let me just read this from Wikipedia, which I think is a pretty good summation of their acts. It says, uh, Eddie Large was generally the funny man, while Sid Little was the more serious straight guy. Eddie Large performed a number of impressions, particularly cartoon characters like Deputy Dog and Woody Woodpecker, while Sid Little simply stood next to him, looking perplexed and distressed. (laughs) That's them. That sums it up. It does. That totally sums it up. Sid Little, he didn't do anything. He didn't. I can't imagine he did any of the writing either. If Eddie Large had had a tailor's mannequin <laughs> there and and could throw his voice like a ventriloquist mm. in a really boring way, so he could go, oh, stop it, Eddie. What are you doing now, Eddie? Then he could have done the act on his own and made double the money. Apparently, I'm, I might be wrong on this, but I think that Sid was the keener one to be in show business. I think he was in bands and stuff, funny. I think he was singing yeah. In a band. Yeah. I know that Eddie Large was a singer in a band too, but uh I think their acts started off as more musical, you know, they they would they would get up yeah. and do songs and interject it with bits of comedy. But then it developed into what it did and I don't think comedy was Sid's forte. You know, he, he could just about play the guitar. Well, well, he couldn't uh, sing. Well, there was one incredibly hilarious moment. There was an amazing thing that I have to say. If anybody out there, any listeners, has got this footage, please let us have it. Send it to Lee. Send it. Put it on there. Put it on our Twitter page. Put it on a fa- our Facebook page. Just give it to us. But if anybody has got the footage of Sid Little having the boxing match with a kangaroo, which <laughs> I promise you, I didn't dream it. It happened. They did this. And I'm sure they did this because they just couldn't think of anything to do with Sid other than exploit him for his puny (laughs) self. And they put him in a ring with a kangaroo and it's hilarious. He is literally shitting himself for his life. (laughs) I do remember it. I wish I could see it again. Amazing. Fucking kangaroo. He's trying to kill him. You know, I mean, I I, absolutely against the exploitation of animals. Uh, You know, I'm sure like most people during this terrible time of the coronavirus, we've all been sat watching things like, uh, Tiger King and looking at these fucking morons who are caging tigers and everything else. And part of the reason we've got this fucking coronavirus is because of the appalling behaviour and treatment of animals uh, in these horrible open wet markets, which is a big thing to be said. So I'm not an advocate mm. of the cruelty towards uh, animals in any shape or form. But in this case, it really was I the think it cruelty, was cruelty to towards Sid in that Lixel. occasion. Yeah, it was cruelty towards Sid Little. And it was great to see this kangaroo that some twat had trained up as a boxer uh, make mincemeat. Oh, God, it was incredible. It was at a time when, you know, insurance policies at the BBC and one thing or another would, nowadays, would never allow anything like, well, obviously, Peter, an animal rights activist, would never allow this to happen. But if you look at it back then... That was amazing. I mean, back then, you'd have people like John Noakes, wouldn't you, climbing up bloody steeples in court shoes to get to the, uh, you know, or go to the top of Nelson's column to clean the bird shit off, you know, in just his his shirt and and a pair of bloody brogues. So, you know, we're talking different times. I think Sid's life was technically not worth insuring at that point. So (laughs) I can imagine... I can imagine him. I bet his at the time he's egging him off. Being hoodwinked into that. I can't imagine him being up for it. Oh, we're going to put you in the room with this violent kangaroo. 
Come on, Supersonic. Are we clear that? Yeah. Come on, Supersonic. Yeah, we're going to use on. camera tricks. It's, look at it. It's dead friendly. We'll just you film some close-ups, make Supersonic. it look like you're, you're fighting. I'm doing all the work here, Supersonic. You need to up your game. Mm. You know, I'm coming on with the deputy dog. I'm coming on. I'm doing the Jimmy Savills. I'm doing the Cliff Richard. Hi, guys. I'm doing all that. Doing and everyone JR. loves it when I come on. I'm doing, J I'm doing JR. Doing uh, Barney hey. Rubble. <laughs> hey, Barnes. You're a loser, Barnes. You're a loser. I'm doing all the. I'm doing it all, Supersonic. I'm doing it all. What are you doing? You're doing fuck all. People are just laughing at you. They're not laughing with you, Super. Come on. I can just imagine it. Brilliant. And he's there with these fucking um, massive bo bottle top glasses with his big eye. I mean, I think really that's what it was about. He was just the stooge because he looks like he was just like this. Uh, kick sand in his eyes, wimp, you know, uh, with his big bottle top glasses. And that was sort of part of the whole kind of persona. And he just, uh, to be fair, he fucking was, I bet he was laughing all the way at the bank when he said little, really. Yeah, he was, yeah. He says in his book, Dave, uh, which I have read, and I've got it in front of me now. Can you guess what the title of this Sid Little autobiography is? Uh, uh, little goes a long way. It is little goes a long way. <laughs> I didn't know that. Honestly, you know, I promise you. But you know what? No, he's got another one out. <laughs> he's got another book out. Can you guess what that's called? So he's got two autobiographies. Would you believe? His, his other daughter bag for is called Little by Little. Little by Little, of course. Yeah. But little in Little by, Goes little a Long little. Way, which I have to say is a shit read, he, he does accuse Eddie of <laughs> being a bully. And, uh, you know, he's got a bit of a gripe about that. You know, Eddie used to push him. Whereas Eddie's response in his own autobiography, which I've got as well, called Larger Than Life, is that Sid needed pushing. He didn't. He didn't have the drive that Eddie did. You know, he wasn't going to take charge of the double act, and uh, you know, he needed to it push him into things. And you can just tell on the stage, and you can just tell about you know what they were doing. That quite honestly, it wouldn't have had an act without Eddie Large. <laughs> Obviously you know? not. No. Just <laughs> how how could how could Sid Little ever made it in any form of the entertainment business? How could he? Yeah. He wouldn't have, what could he have been? Would he have been a presenter on, on nationwide or the equivalent today? I don't know, like Look Northwest or Watchdog or no, he can't read an auto cue, can could, he? He couldn't, uh, he could hardly read an auto cue. He had no personality. They've had him on recently. On it's almost like he's garnered just a tiny bit more personality as he's gotten older mm. when he's been on that the uh, Marigold Hotel thing, yes, documentary thing with the older people, yeah, around he, got, India. he did a bit of reality so TV, of didn't he? You know, in, and he like, seemed all right, you know. Yeah. Oh, come on, let's go down to see these markets in India. I've got an open mind about all sorts of things. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that, you know. Oh, yes, I'll come. But you can just see that he's the kind of person who would just easily go along with what everyone else wants. And mm. even as a kid, I looked at him, just, I just thought... This guy just doesn't seem like a television person. He he just seems like someone. Do you know what he seemed like? Someone who had just been pulled off the out of the audience and put on stage, and was asked to do stuff like on the Generation Game or something. Someone who just was not a showbiz person. In a way, looking back on it, it was pretty incredible, really, because it was so different mm. because of that. And so maybe that, maybe in a way, that was quite quite clever, because it was so like. 
here's the guy who's kind of got a lot of personality, big tubby guy, and he's, and he's kind of quite funny with the impressions and everything. And then this other guy who just, what is he doing there? What is he doing there? That seems really weird. They started off as mates, didn't they? And when they were successful, you know, you can imagine Eddie not really minding Sid's lack of input. Yeah. Okay, because, yeah. you know, they were getting paid. They were getting 15 million viewers a week at the peak. You know, so things wow. were going great. But it became a bit more of a problem when yeah. they got dropped. And they did get dropped very harshly, like a lot of the variety stars of the 70s and 80s. You know, there was yeah. a big sort of change, wasn't there? And yeah. uh, the like show was a massive axed. sack of bride shit they were dropped. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Eddie, he tried to maintain the act probably through loyalty. And uh, Sid, yeah. over the years, became less enthusiastic to do it. And we're not really, you know, he should have realised that Eddie's the one paying his mortgage, really. But Sid sort yeah. of started pulling away from the double act. And I think they actually broke up in the end. Or there was some incident where there was this comeback tour on the cards. They were going to tour with Cannon and Ball. And Eddie phoned <laughs> uh, Sid up to tell him about this. He was really excited. And Sid was like, oh, well, I'm not sure I can do it. I've got a couple of decorating jobs lined up. That's amazing. Mm. He put his decorating jobs ahead of... Well, that kind of summed it up, because he was he was happy to be a painting decorator. He wasn't an entertainer of any shape or form. No. You know, Tommy Cannon was much was much more a entertainer, more driven. You can tell that. But that might have been interesting, though, if Tommy Cannon said, especially after Bobby had been you know, nailing his wife, you know, the dirty bastard, then, and then claiming to have found God. So they all got back together and kissed, made up, didn't they? Yeah. But that's what happened, didn't he? Bobby Ball was, was, was rutting away on the Tommy's missus. Oh, that. Uh, but the, somebody made up. Yeah, apparently so. Uh, I, 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 allegedly, I'll say that just in case I've got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there's a lot said about that in uh, Bobby's horrendous autobiography. Half of which is a kiss and tell, and then the second half is all My about life, redemption and finding God. But <laughs> just it. like little goes a long way, and, that's um, about finding God as well. Little, uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he joins Christians but, in Entertainment, which is run by the wonderfully named Chris Gidney. Yeah, little fact for you. There. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous! But can you imagine it? If Ball had, you know, split up from Canon. And of course, large had split up, did split up because of Sid's painting and decorating business. And then Ball and Large could have got together and called themselves Large Ball. <laughs> and if if only Bobby Ball had a brother. If, 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 Little if, Cannon. If, oh wow! Then oh, that would have been brilliant. Sid Little on the sly had been making phone calls. We got the turps on his hand to get the paint off. He'd get his phone and then he'd ring up Tommy Cannon and he'd say, Tommy, you and me together. Cannon, little, little Cannon. Brilliant. Two straight men trying to be funny. I mean, it, it literally would have been like watching the paint dry on fucking Sid Little's decorating job. Those two going on tour together. Mm. But large ball. Now that would have been good. <laughs> It was quite good. If Bobby Ball, he possibly has a brother who might have made a quite a good sort of straight man. They could have been a three-way thing and they could have called Large themselves balls. Large Balls. 
and that would have been brilliant. Oh, that would. If only. Well, it's not going to happen now, unfortunately. Poor Eddie's passed on. Uh, but, you know, that says it all, doesn't it? I mean, that does say that it says a lot that, you know, Sid, he didn't want to do it, did he? He wanted to just do some decorating jobs. But he should have realised that it had been Eddie that had been carrying him for yes, all sir. those years, and he owed him that last tour, that last bit of glory. But he put himself first. And that's what Eddie says a lot in the book, you know. And I don't think this is Eddie being bitter. I think Eddie has kept his counsel for quite a number of years. But he feels really hurt by Sid. And in the book, he talks about that he'd always been loyal to Sid. And he would always stick up for him, you know, when people would be saying, why have you got Sid, you know, and taking the piss out of him. He would always stick up for him. He felt Sid was a bit sly. And there were a few instances that he talks about in the book that that does show him as a bit of a sly bastard. Uh, he was uh, he was mm. a bit of a... I'm not going to use the word philanderer, philanderer, as I don't think yeah. he was that bad. I think he was. But he did cheat on his girlfriends, and he, he dumped yeah, yeah. one of them that he was due to get married to uh, at the drop of a hat in favour of <clears> this <throat> girl that he met in a panto. And he even met this mm. girl again when he'd got back with his his girlfriend and on the day of the on the day they were actually getting married i think and they couldn't actually find sid and he he was actually with this other woman he's a grubby is... little shit another thing Eddie says is that sid always plays the victim he always wanted people's sympathy yeah you know, i can believe he, that. he was always whining and saying that oh eddie doesn't treat him right and he would tell stories about eddie in front of eddie to make him look bad that clearly weren't true i think it must have been very frustrating i bet it must have been incredibly frustrating to have your, you know, your partner, even, you know, might have been the straight man, what have you, but someone who is so unwilling to pursue what they'd started. And what yeah. they'd achieve, you know, they'd achieve way more than, you know, it's, it's amazing. They had massive success. He's the jammiest fucking show business, said Little. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, he, he was useless. He was fucking useless. <laughs> you know, Davros without the fella in it. Had more, had more going for him. Yeah, Stephen Hawking's bloody chair has got more personality. Than, yeah. It's bloody outrageous. Mm. You know, you might as well have performed with a brick. <laughs> he probably thought he was <laughs> for most of it. I think they used to do panto separately because, uh, particularly in the later years, because Eddie lived in Portishead, didn't he? And Sid. Sid lived in Blackpool right, or, or nearby there. So, yeah, yeah. you know, they didn't see much of each other towards the end. And another story Eddie tells is when they got invited to do that Peter Kay video, you know, the road to Amarillo. Is this the way to Amarillo? Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Peter Kay was getting all the stars back from the variety days and stuff. And, uh, and it was another thing Eddie was very excited about, but Sid just refused to do it. He really, he really resented him, didn't he? Mm. He really resented Eddie. You now I was being a bit schneid to Eddie, and I, I felt quite sad. I, you know, genuinely felt sad actually when I heard that he passed away, because mm. he, he's had a lot of health issues too. He'd had, a, he'd had a heart transplant for God's sake, hadn't he? Yeah. So he's someone who would have been very vulnerable to COVID nineteen. You would feel more vulnerable in hospital. Yeah, because he still yeah, had, heart he had trouble, heart trouble. He even went... after the heart, heart transplant. He still suffered with his heart. Well, from what I read, he'd gone into hospital with heart trouble. He'd had heart mm. failure. When you've got heart failure and, and, and kidney problems and what have you like that, uh, it's a kiss of death, isn't it, for people yeah. with underlying conditions? <clears throat> so it was very, very tragic and really sad and a really sad way not to have any family members there with him. 
It, it seems really, yeah, that's the worst really, part. It seems really unfair for him, doesn't it? Because it, it seemed that he was someone who was the more driven and tried harder to make things happen for them as a double act. And when you look back on it, he had quite a lot of talent in his own way, you know, with his impressions and doing certain things. I think if their act had been more honed uh, in a slightly different way today, especially him, it would have been looked at with a lot less cynicism than yeah. it is. Because in a way today, you know, you look at it quite cynically and think they weren't that good, you know. It wasn't a, the, it wasn't the best of double acts. Yeah, and it was on the, what they were doing was on the cusp of the new wave of comics as well, wasn't it? Well, interestingly enough, when um, Morkman Wise moved over to ITV, uh, the, the I think it was the commissioner of or the chief of BBC said, you know, he wasn't sorry about that because they had Little and Large. So they really did have high hopes that Little and Large would grow into, you know, or to have the same sort of stature and recognition as Morkman Wise. But as you said before, they were a different app because it, they were really for kids, weren't they? <laughs> You know, whereas Mark yeah, and Wise were. weren't for kids. So they were never going to have that wide appeal. And obviously kids grow up <clears> and uh, you lose interest and, you know, you stop finding them And funny, I think also... As we did. Well, we, absolutely. I, I mean, when Mark and Wise went onto ITV, they, you know, I've seen some of their ITV shows. They were just not in the same league as the BBC no. ones. You can look at a lot of things through, like, rose-coloured spectacles. Towards the end, Mark and Wise weren't, that, weren't all that worthy, let's no. be honest. And I love Mark wise I, I i would never want to say anything bad about them but it didn't have the same impact as their shows in the 1970s it it was never going to be the the bbc typical fucking bbc and the, the people who run it they were never going to have the impact or the success of morgan and wise because the difference is that and it was so unfair on someone like eddie large for the bbc to suggest that because he wasn't in the same league as Eric Morecambe. Eric Morecambe was a comic, you know, he's bona fide comic genius. Mm. Look at that now and think he was because he had naturally funny bones. There's only a few people who really had that. Eric Morecambe had something, because di he didn't, he, well, he didn't do impressions. He, he just was Eric Morecambe, wasn't he? He just yeah. came on stage and was, in a way, like Tommy Cooper was the same. You know, he, he did something quite unique, but uh, Eddie relied on impressions and being sort of big and daft, didn't he? Sort of big and daft personality. Yeah. And I yeah. think I think what they did only had a shelf life that would have lasted without changing, without going in a different direction. And I think Eddie Large could have done that with somebody else. But he couldn't have done that with bloody that bloody fucking mannequin. <laughs> I think what's interesting, and it's a really interesting example of this, and it, it happened to quite a few of them, it happened as well to the two Cannon and Ball to a degree. There's certain acts where they, they developed what they were doing on the road going around to working man's clubs. Little, little and larger, prime example of this. They'd go around to all these clubs, like the Embassy Club in Manchester and other places, and they'd honed their 15 minutes really well into what they were doing with it. So Eddie would do his impressions of the cartoon characters and, and people in the day like Jimmy Savile and Cliff Richard and... And Sid would get annoyed because he couldn't play his guitar. And that's a kind of clever little routine because it's been done by Eric Morkman Wise did it and Cannon Ball did it and Reeves and Mortimer still to this day do it, even though their act has got all this brilliant surrealism with it. But they still do that skit. One of them wanting to do 
something musically profound and the other one taking the piss. Yeah. But Sid and Eddie's routine was entirely built around that. Absolutely entire the entirety of it. And that only goes so far when you've got a limited sort of act. They had such a limited act because Sid couldn't do fuck all. Whereas the others could expand what they did a little bit more. You know, Morgan and Wise could do dance routines really well and do, you know what I mean? Mm. And expand the bit where Eric takes the piss out of Ernie's desire to be a novelist. And Bobby Ball was a genuinely at times sort of crazy physical comedian, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, but so they had a little bit more longevity, I think, but it got pretty stale quite quick, didn't it? Because also it was kind of more on the kiddie side because there's a lot of like cartoon characters and younger people's characters. And it was really fixed on that idea of Sid wants to play, sing a song, and then he comes on and dicks about doing impressions. <laughs> <laughs> and and they couldn't really expand. And it was really unfair to think that they could, to be fair. You know, I think I think everything sort of runs out of steam. But what they needed was really good writers to do something different. And they could have done that with Eddie. <coughs> Eddie probably could have done a bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it, yeah. It, it well, could he did have want done. to go solo at one point. I think he decided he wanted to go solo. But Sid then had a, a near-fatal car crash. And Eddie changed his mind and said, you know, no one really? will stay together. Which is a very selfless thing to do, isn't it? You know, thinking of his mate. Oh, and, absolutely. That's you know, incredible. Mm. Yeah. I feel, it really feels for the guy. The more you, the more I hear this, you know, I, I do. And I did feel it. I mean, I did. I don't want to sound wicked because I was taking a piss before, but you know, I did really feel it. You know, I thought that's really sad. A really sad way for someone to go who's probably not had it easy as well for the last twenty years. I mean, not only yeah. his health has been in terrible shape, we have a heart a heart transplant, but also the fact that his career disintegrated in no time yeah. at all. Really, didn't it? Towards the end, he didn't want to do it. Didn't seem a matter anymore. for the other one. No, no. Well, I can't blame him. He was seventy-eight. Wasn't I can, I can he, understand yeah. why he got. Mm. You know, you, you run out of steam for these things, don't you? But it's sad for him because he had the talent and he had passion. You know, you could see that with his passion for Man City as mm. well. He's a passionate guy, and it's a shame that possibly, in in hindsight, you know, and it's, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? It's bloody easy, but in hindsight. If, he picked the wrong partner, didn't he? Because he might have done an awful lot more, you know. Because yeah. he did seem to be, like, people loved him they back did. in the day. They loved him. He had a lot of war. I, I, I have to be honest. When I first saw them, when I I loved them too, because when I was a kid and they first came on TV in the early 80s, late probably late 70s, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, but what, what, what was it really? I think it was 79, 78. 78? Yeah. 77, 78, so I'd have been about nine years old, nine, ten years old. You'd be even younger. So we would be in their sort of their age range. And that Saturday night TV was dead warming and dead sweet and everything. So you'd have like, you'd watch Basil Brush. Then I think it was Doctor Who. And then it was Little and Large into the early evening oh, wasn't it? Yeah. before the more yeah. grown up programs. Yeah. And it was a lovely time. It was like a big, it was like the big warm duvet of TV yeah. on a Saturday evening with your family. Well, and it was great. But I, I remember very consciously when I got into my early teens, then thinking they were a bag of shit. And I think that's the interesting thing. 
by the time I got past puberty or got into that slightly more cynical bit, growing up a little bit, they were re- no, really you spot for... on there because that's exactly how I felt. You know, I find them wearing and embarrassing and. Um, absolutely they, they just weren't doing it anymore and uh, it's a bit sad when you reject what you previously loved you know but, uh, very sad but that's an age very thing sad. isn't it i love that ah, what's up dark and give me the dog and all mm. the, oh, oh, cliff here oh, hi guys and you know i thought it was all great at the time but it's very funny mm. even said oh poor said poor little said he, he's always oh, oh i feel real sorry for him because he's fucking hopeless you know, and I felt all that kind of because I was a sweet guy, a sweet little kid. But as soon as you cut sort of comedy taste buds developed a little beyond that, you realise you wanted something else. Yeah, you wanted like something, young you ones know, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. You went, you kind of, you got a bit bored of Finder's crispy pancakes, and you wanted a a decent burger or steak. You know, so you wanted to go up the sort of comedy grade a little bit. But in that little bubble of time between the age of sort of eight and ten, let's say or eleven even, that it was a war it was a lovely, warm kind of thing. And it's a shame that he didn't sort of I don't know, was able to sort of take advice from someone like Les Dawson or someone who had a little bit more you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A northern comic who was a bit of a genius and like you know, Les Dawson was a genius. Mm. Eric Morecambe was a genius. They were brilliant at what they did. Part of it was because they, they did something a bit different. They were kind of unique in what they did. And I'm not talking about Les's piano playing out a key and all that. I'm talking about Les Dawson's amazing monologues. So wordy, yeah. you know. And he was also, he could do, you know, pretty good sketch comedy. He's In fact, talking Les Dawson, if you want to get if any uh, listeners out there, go onto YouTube and see his, uh, his ITV programme that featured John Cleese. So it's mainly him and John Cleese in these sketches. They're brilliant, brilliant sketches. Mm. And quite, alter- you know, some of it's quite alternative, really. Some of them are stolen from sketches from American TV as well at the time. Yeah. It's quite interesting. He was, he was really versatile and really interesting. And I think that's what they needed to do. I think, I think particularly Sid, uh, oh God, particularly Eddie, needed to branch out and do something a bit different if he could. But it's obviously had a fucking millstone round his neck <laughs> in the shape of this fucking skinny little bog-eyed tit. <laughs> Whenever the public approached Eddie, the first thing they would say was, where's Sid? Right, which really started to piss him off. How annoying. Where's Sid? Where's yeah. the fucking little tit that does nothing? So he he came up with a couple of comebacks, one of which was, uh, oh, he's in my golf bag next to my Sam Wedge. <laughs> or the other one was, I'm using it as a crook lock on my steering wheel. <laughs> but Eddie does also mention, that. when he talks about fans coming up to him, he, in his book there was one memorable quote where he said, when you're ill, it can be a little wearing to have fans coming up to pull your hair to see if it's real, and then saying... Oh, you're fatter than I thought. Probably <laughs> <laughs> didn't them. That's, That's cruel, That's isn't so it? Cruel. You're fatter than I thought. But he had that. You know, the thing is, he had he had the eighties perm. He, he had that. He was like a sort of fat Keegan, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> fat Keegan. Fatter, fatter than Keegan. 
brilliant. And he, he used to do Kevin Keegan. That was one of his impressions, as you remember. Well, Kevin was always on the show. Hi, boss. Hey, hey, Henry. Hey, Henry. Well, throws the Bruce, Henry. Throws the brute, Henry. Uh-huh. Mm. Splash it all over. Oh, mm. oh, uh, oh, hi, Kev. Didn't see you there. That's how it was. <laughs> He'd do an impression and go, and Kevin go. Kevin would come in, and he would be more animated than Sid Little, and he'd go, Eddie, you taking the mick out of me again? And Eddie would go, no way, Kev. And Sid would be going, yes, he was there, Kev. You know? <laughs> what are you doing here, Kev? Well, I'm on. I'm come here to sing my song, <laughs> if that's all right. Yeah. I, I, t- I tell you what, listeners, if you're listening to this slightly perplexed, I suspect that most people who are listening to this would be listening to because they know exactly who Little and Large are. But if there's anybody who isn't, just go on uh, YouTube and have a look at their their work, their body of work. You'll you'll understand why we're being quite cynical about this. And this is this is in no way, hopefully, to offend the passing of the man, because again, like you're saying, Lee, I think he probably was a really decent bloke, and it's. It's a shame, really. And it's a real shame when friends, which they were really tight, close friends, drift apart. And that happens all the time, and done it in show business. It's a real yeah. shame. It's a bit cheese and crackers. Yeah, double up. It is. Yeah, cheese and crackers. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that is brilliant. Bernie Clifton's dressing room, inside number nine, is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Mm. Well, I bet, they, I bet they were thinking of the likes of Little and Large when they wrote that. Because it, it was Abs- very much set absolutely. around that time, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. But yeah, but Superb. I would say, talking about the clips, you watching clips on YouTube, I'd look up Little and Large live performance 1987. And I did watch that. And I have to say, Eddie is genuinely funny. Sid brilliant. is his usual pointless self. But yeah, a mannequin, a bog eyed mannequin on stage yeah. doing nothing with a guitar around his shoulder going. Can you let me do this, please, Eddie? Do you know what, Lee? I'm going to have a little look at that myself and have a, and remind myself of the the uh, the man at work, the master at work there, because he did throw a lot of energy into what he did. He did. It was so obvious that he had some talent, some humour, and comic timing. And I'm sure I could watch some of it and really appreciate now, especially having done quite a bit of performance myself at times you know i could really appreciate the effort and i do appreciate that i mean i do appreciate the effort i know what it's like to you know to go on stage and do things and it'd be great and i know what it's like to go on stage and do things and it not to work out the way you wanted it to and to be a bloody disaster mm-hmm. so i'm very well aware that it's it's not an easy thing to do it's not people think it is it's not, even for sid you know i can understand he was somebody who probably wasn't really cut out for it. And no. if you're not really cut out for it, it gets harder and harder, especially as you get older, you know. Even if you're somebody who is quite good at getting up on stage and just talking to people or performing. Yeah. I've got to read I've got to read you a comment that was put on that clip seven hours ago. And it probably sums up the gist of what we've been saying. And the comment is little stealing a living there again. <laughs> I think even as a, like a 10-year-old sat in front of the television on the flock carpet in uh, you know on in the multicolored carpet with the flock wallpaper with a horrible fire effect fire watching it 
in my kung fu pajamas and thinking jesus christ probably wasn't saying jesus christ back then but i was probably going gosh why is this guy on stage why is this guy doing this he's no good he can't do it it, it was really weird and in, in a way that became quite compelling and in, in fact I, I do have a memory of kind of wanting him to succeed somehow wanting him at times to be funny please let him say something funny tonight yeah please yeah. let him do something that's good did you did you ever have that yeah, vibe yeah i did because i wanted to be it i was, wanted to like both time... for them but i never really did i didn't get sid little at all no i wanted to understand Eddie. i wanted to understand yeah i've totally uh, let him say something that is actually funny. Let him do something that's actually good. Let him sing a song and let him sound good. Let mm. him do something. Mm. And it never, never happened. No. He, he, the most, he, he might well go down in history as the most useless man in show business. Yes. That is incredible. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think he was perfect in his personal <laughs> life. No, I'm talking about his personal life. Ultimately, Sid Little is probably a decent guy. And, you know, part of me feels sure a little bit is. bad saying all these horrid things about him. But we, we are speaking the truth, ultimately. You know, it, it is the entertainment. We industry. are speaking the truth. You know, you've got to justify your place in that. And he didn't really, did he? I mean, yeah. he allowed no. Eddie to do what he wanted to do, which I suppose that was his main purpose. But, yeah, stealing a living seems to be quite apt way of describing what he was I'm doing sh- there. Absolutely. And then to throw it back I, I, in Eddie's you know face. It's a of... fucking disgrace, isn't it? The more I think about it. Because <laughs> Eddie Large could have gone on to do a shit sitcom or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, if Terry Scott if Terry Scott managed to make a fucking massive living for years and years doing Terry and June, which was the biggest bag of shite, and he couldn't act to save his fucking life, he was, you know... Oh, June, the boss is coming tonight and we haven't got any food. We need to make a cottage pie. Oh, you know what I mean? Absolute useless shit. I'm sure Eddie, Eddie Large could have been, I don't know, the owner of a sports shop or something like that. And people would have come in and he'd have got things wrong and he would have given a tennis player a cricket bat and da 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 da. You know, you, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to paint. You know, Tony Tubbs. He could have been Tony Tubbs. Hot Tubbs. Hot yeah. Tubbs. He, that, you know, he could have been Hot Tubbs. Tony Tubbs has a has Tony Tubbs has a business in Alicante selling hot tubs to the British expats, starring Eddie Large. Oh, you know what I mean? It was made His agent for fucking it's should have been for there for him. Yeah. His agent should have been saying to him constantly, get rid of the fucking fucking specky ghost in the corner. (laughs) Well, given that Sid ventured, Dave, given that Sid ventured into reality TV, I always thought Eddie should uh, do a show where he takes charge of... Eddie should do a show where he takes charge of a budget supermarket and he could call it Little and Large. (laughs) That would be amazing. Do you know what? Little could have fucking really had a massive amount of free advertising on TV if they'd have had a programme called Little and Large where Eddie Large's character, and he could have, he could be actually called Eddie Large because you could do that nowadays, can't you? Like yep. Larry David, you know, Steve Coogan does the trip, Larry David, Coogan, Eddie Large, and it's a, 
it's done in a documentary style, but it's it's a it's a joke like mm. The Office. Eddie Large runs a supermarket, and it wouldn't be very good, you know. It wouldn't, you know, but it would have been. It would have been a winner. You've got a couple of series out of that. Yeah. That would have been fucking brilliant. Yeah, Network that would have released been great. it. They could have even done it if someone had got hold of him before he had his art problems and done that in a kind of extras way so that when he was in the shop, it, oh, it would have been amazing. He could have done like dippity dog to the customers. He could have done He could have popped out around the corner with his like yellow, with a yellow jacket on doing cliff impressions Hi there, Pop, because hi, hi, Cliff here. Go, look, Eddie, I'm just want to get in and out of the shop. I want to get me aubergines. I want to get my fucking tin tomatoes and fuck off. Mm. Now, please, no impressions today. Oh, sorry, Bill. <laughs> sorry, mate. Sorry. It could have been done like that. But on a serious note, there could have been lots of things for him, couldn't there? You know, I'm sure there could have been other things. I'm sure he might have been offered a sitcom and stuff. But, you know, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have offered Sid it. They can't act for shit. No. Well, you know. Sid could have done a reality show where he gets psychoanalyzed by Raj Pasod, and that would have been called Little and Raj. <laughs> Little and Raj, I love it. But I hope in years to very, come, very good. there will be a biopic, uh, a cinema release, where Taron Edgerton plays Eddie Large in the Eddie Large story. You know what? There's a, there's a look, isn't there? Well, he's, he, he can see specialising in those type of films. Maybe we could get Christian Bale to play Sid Little <laughs> so we could lose loads of weight and really work on being the most wooden actor of all time. Right, Dave, I, I think we should wrap it up there, but it's been a very good chat and <clears throat> well, uh, I hope we've uh, paid tribute to Eddie. I'm, I'm raising my glass, clinking yep. it again. I've got my Corona. To, to Eddie McGuinness, who tried his best, succeeded and sadly passed away. So all the best to you, Eddie. Yeah, all the best, Eddie. Rest assured that you will be remembered fondly. Big night for you tonight, Supersonic. Yes, yes. What are you going to do? I'm going to do a nice song. Steps back in amazement. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, a brilliant idea, that. What are you going to do? Well, I was going to do one of my different impressions, but I won't do it now. A different impression? Different impression, yeah. Never been done? Only by me. Do it. All right, I'll do it. It's an impression of Tommy Cooper's motor car Starting up on a cold morning. <coughs> <coughs> it's not funny, but it's different, isn't it? There you are. I've got hundreds of them. Hundreds? Hundreds of them. One more. One more. Harry Seacombe's motor car starting up on a cold morning. <laughs> James Stewart. <laughs> Fozzie Bear. <laughs> Edward Heath. Oh, 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 oh. Eddie Waring, wow. 